With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Are you feeling stuck making minimum payments on your credit card debt? SaveWithConrad.com can help, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments right now at SaveWithConrad.com. are about to be spoken here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy presented to you exclusively by Podcast Heat and adfreeshows.com. I, of course, am John Alba, joined as I am every single week by the broken one, the woken one, the spoken one himself, Mr. Matt Hardy. Matt, coming to us from West Virginia this week. What's up, man? Yes, uh, I am sitting here in uh, lovely Charleston, West Virginia, and uh, getting ready for a big night of AW action. Tonight we're doing uh, Elevation. A live dynamite and uh, a big episode of Rampage. This is your live AEW debut in West Virginia, if I'm not mistaken, because I don't think it, you were it, with the company the last time they were there. Yes, this is my first time. Yeah, they, they came here before the pandemic, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. right? Pre-pandemic. So, yeah. yes, this is my uh, my first time here in, in uh, Charleston, West Virginia. Well, with AEW, I've been here many right. times in the past. I was going to say, I was yeah. going to say, you definitely have been here many times before. Yeah. And you've been, you're like the, the whole Johnny Cash gimmick. I've been everywhere, man. You've been literally everywhere. Yeah. It's the, the- I have been, uh, I, I have wrestled on every continent, the exception of Antarctica. I'm still hoping someone will set some kind of horseshit up so I can go wrestle in Antarctica. So I can <laughs> say I've wrestled on all seven continents. You know, that seems like a Joey Janela gimmick. I feel like he would set something like that up. So you could be asked at some point by Joey Janela to wrestle in antarctica just just a, a hunch i my gut says but uh we we have a really great episode ahead here last week we did a, a cool unique 
Matt Rushmore episode. Yeah. And, and man, we got we got the streets talking, bro. There was a lot of debate, <laughs> a lot of argument. What do you think of some of the feedback we got from that one? Uh, it was intriguing, you know, and a lot of the stuff is, uh, you know, is really personal opinion and, you know, personal like and taste and distaste. So I, I enjoy that sort of discourse and uh, and discussion. And I think one of the more controversial takes, and once again, I, uh, I honestly believe as amazing, as incredible and unbelievable as the Road Warriors were in five, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, they'll, they'll be out of that cycle and they will be replaced by teams like the Young Bucks and the FTRs and the Usos. So it, it, that, that's probably the biggest point that people are like, blasphemy, blasphemy. You know, but but it's definitely something I think is going to be true because it would be very different if they were thrust into the 2022 wrestling scene as the Legion of Doom in the prom. Mm -hmm. Shout out to our boy Thomas for giving a, a lecture on Twitter about the history <laughs> of the Road Warriors. T Dog, Thomas Benson getting a big shout shout on the podcast, and I think he enjoys it. He he listens to it. I know he does every single weekend when it's up. He's so dedicated and he's so loyal. And I greatly appreciate that, Thomas. And, one, of and the, we, uh, one of the Omega OGs. Yes, we both do. He was immensely helpful in helping me research for the Omega episode. So I appreciated that from him as well. Uh, yeah, I had a tag team that will not be named that reached out to me about not being included on my Mount Rushmore uh, in AEW tag team specifically. So I'll let you venture to guess who that may have been. But I said, does, does, their, name, does their name have three letters in it? Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was trying to come up with something crafty, but uh, nope. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll see. Perhaps one day they will find themselves on that list. And then you know how highly I hold them. In fact, this past week on adfreeshows.com, if you haven't seen this, guys, you have to. Adfreeshows.com. I did a tape study with Arn Anderson of the Young Bucks and FTR match from Boston. How cool is that, man? Arn Anderson breaking down um, an FTR and Young Bucks match. It's like a learning tree, man. Yeah, that, I mean that that's amazing. Arn is such a great, such a great wrestling mind, especially for like uh, psychology and telling a story in the ring. One thing I always appreciated about Arn when I was in different versions. Of, of characters and, and personalities like for instance when i was just matt hardy of the hardy boys he he really got like our you know the adrenaline junkie the daredevil style that we were doing at that time as far as being cream and he, he would really integrate that well into the matches whenever i was matt hardy version one as a hill he was he really understood and he gave me great advice and and great ideas on how to be a hill as version one and and how to still be like the sense of attitude this over-the-top delusional uh egotistical narcissist but also still like end up being a, a, a scaredy cat and, and turn and, and run with your tail between your legs. He was really, really good at doing that. When I was mad hard to not die, especially during the height of the deal with myself and Edge, where it was real serious and intense. He had great ideas for that. I mean, every period of my career, he's always understood different characters that, that I have performed and personalities that I have, uh, you know, have been. And he's been so great at giving me info. And Arn's got the driest sense of humor in the world, and it's fantastic. Yeah. He's so sarcastic, and he's so great, and I love working with Arn. Go check that out, adfreeshows.com. Also going on at adfreeshows.com, I host a show called Time Limit Draw with Lash LaRue, former WCW Cruiserweight Lash LaRue, 
where he does live caricatures in an hour and he tries to beat the clock while he answers questions from our fans and subscribers. And Matt Hardy, in honor of your birthday next month, he's going to be drawing oh a Honey Boys portrait. So that's I am absolutely, I am absolutely humbled. Thank you guys so much for uh, for having me in mind. That sounds great. Yes, absolutely. I told him he could pick whatever version of the Hardy Boys he wants. He could do the Michael Hayes Hardy Boys. He could do Team Extreme. <laughs> he could do the Broken Hardys. So we'll see what he ends up picking. But he did say that you guys have a kindred spirit in connection because you're both very close with the Hurricane Shane Helms. Yes. And he says that is your your combining essence throughout the years and it's interesting because i noted that since it's your birthday that indicates that shane helms is still older in fact they're not yes. even calling him the hurricane anymore they're calling him the meteor because he wiped out the dinosaurs <laughs> i like it uh yeah I, you know i'm gonna respect him because he's my elder i'm sure lash does as well mm -hmm. you know and I'm, I'm just i'm just happy we still have him around you know yes, he's lived absolutely. such a life he's had such a run and like you said i'm happy we still have the meteor around <laughs> and the last thing I want to tee up to you before we get to ask Matt anything, V3 is CM Punk's back, man. Yeah. Big time, big time deal for AEW. CM Punk is back. He and John Moxley had a stare down. I would presume that's what we're looking at for the all out main event. I think John Moxley has a legitimate case for Pro Wrestler of the Year this yeah. year, which is which is wild given his track. Uh, what does what does that do for you guys out there in AEW, man? Uh, I, I, that's a that's a big time match, and I think that's a very safe presumption as well. And and I think the stakes are even raised a little higher now that during the time Punk was off injured, John Moxley is the interim world champ of AEW, and Punk is the official world champ. And now we're going to have a match where we're going to determine the 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 uh, undisputed world champion of AEW, and I think that adds a lot of stakes to that already impressive match. All right, my friend. I love doing these Ask Matt episodes with you. I know these are some of your favorites. We get to hear the voice of all the MFers out there. And they got some great questions. They use hashtag Ask Matt. So without further ado, my friend, hit us with that Matt fact. Matt fact. Matt now fast when dieting. Oh, you're one of those fasters. Yeah. How's that been going? Uh, good. I've been hitting it pretty hard the last couple of weeks, but it, but it's been great. I've been, uh, my schedule now that it has been a little, uh, easier, not as intense, especially traveling on the road. I haven't been doing as many third party shots. So, uh, a lot of times it's dynamite. And if I do do something on the weekend, I kind of just like skate out and come straight back or whatever, but it, it's been better. So I've been really trying to work hard on dieting and just trimming down and being as fit as I could possibly be. And also I'm, I'm doing a whole bunch of new stuff, uh, out of yoga kind of specialized for me some mm. stuff i got some some strong tips for about flexibility especially my lower back and hips so working working real hard on that to, to try and get as much out of uh this old vessel that i possibly can i'll eat all the food on our behalf don't worry i'll take all that you can you got it especially at night i mean that even now i'm i'm still fasting as of right now so i, I can't wait well i i, I want to do this episode and i hope it goes on forever because i love doing these so much but whenever this is over i'm finally going to to be able to eat something after 13 hours. Gotcha. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll carry <laughs> along here and let's get some questions. Let's start with your boy, Coach Rosie. He says, what's up, Matt? Okay. What is a storyline? He says, what is a storyline you were a part of that did not get the run you think it deserved? Thank you for being an ambassador for pro wrestling. Mm. Storyline uh, you were part uh, of that didn't get the love it deserved. 
Yeah. Uh, well, first, thank you, Coach Rosie, for being so loyal and uh, dedicated and faithful to the extreme life of Matt Hardy. I know that you watch every week and or listen every week. And uh, I, I, it was a pleasure to meet you. I got to work with him at Starcast, and he was great. He was the handler at my table, and he did such a great job. It was so so good. Uh, I, I think the the character that I think could have been even bigger if we would have gotten into this would have been the, the Matt Hardy version one. Whenever we had a tag match, it was myself and John Cena versus Edge and Rey Mysterio. And and for some reason, I just saw a screenshot of this. It was something uh, something that had been posted on WWE.com, if I'm not mistaken, whatever. And it said something about John Cena victorious in his first battle with Edge and Rey Mysterio. But but there was a, a screenshot of me <laughs> just rolling up Rey Mysterio and holding the ropes, pinning him you know, as the shitty heel. <laughs> so that... That was supposed to be the start of an angle where I was going to injure Rey Mysterio because he was going to be taking time off. I was going to injure him, take him out, uh, hurt his knee, if I'm not mistaken, if that's what his injury was, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure it was. And then Edge was going to make the save. And then I was going to go into a long-form angle with Edge earlier on where he was the big baby face, and he'd had a strong push at that point. And then I was going to get the big push as, as a heel. But uh, John Laurinaitis was the guy who ended up ultimately getting that change. And he said, well, this, you know, Matt's all right, but the guy that we really need to push is this big guy, A-Train. I think we need to put A-Train, let him take out Rey Mysterio, let him work against Edge. We have There's much more equity in him. He's a big monster. You know, Matt's just the average-sized guy or whatever. Mm. And then A-Train ended up getting that angle, and that was the beginning of the uh, disagreements, I guess, between me and John, John Laurinaitis after WCW came into to WWE. So ultimately, uh, I just laid low, and they offered me that uh, cruiserweight angle against Rey Mysterio after he came back, and uh, I was all up for that, so. I ended up winning the cruiserweight title from Billy Kidman and then went to an angle with him. So uh, I, I hated I missed that angle with Edge, though, especially with myself and, and Adam's chemistry. And I think he would have been the one that could have really thrust uh, Matt Hardy version one to the next level if we would have went through and done that angle properly. I'm so glad that you mentioned Biddy, Billy Kidman. Biddy, Billy Kidman. Uh, Ryan asks, what were your impressions of Billy Kidman when he came to WWE in and out of the ring? How do you regard him when it comes to the great cruiserweight lightweight stars in pro wrestling history? I feel like he was one of the greats during that era. Yeah, uh, I, I loved working with Billy. I, I love Billy as a person. He was always a fun guy, always a great guy to have around. Uh, really funny, great sense of humor and, and super talented. And, and I remember him being an extra way back like in the mid 90s or maybe late 90s and i, I remember him doing this and i remember when he got the opportunity at wcw i was so happy for him because there were so many guys like chris canyon was another guy who we did work with as extras and we got to know him a little bit and we're like wow this guy's really cool really nice guy and, and super talented so once these guys got opportunities in wcw you are always happy for your friends and, and billy kidman fell into that category for me uh, many suggest that Billy Kidman is one of the great overachievers in wrestling, not due to his in-ring talents, but rather the fact that. Well, he hell, I'm sure you're saying y'all going to give me a John Bradshaw Layfield line about how he's an overachieving piece of shit because he scored that damn Tory Wilson. Am I you correct? Said it. You said it. Not me. <laughs> you said it. No, not actually, me. actually, John Bradshaw Layfield said it. JBL, our dear friend. Our dear friend, we got to get him on. We'll, we'll make it happen. At yeah, I, I, I would, I would love to have him on. He, he <laughs> is so much fun to interact with. He is so much fun to interact with. We'll, we'll put him. We'll hold his feet to the fire a little bit. See how it goes. Uh, <laughs> another guy you met at Starcast, Lenny. 
right? He says, uh, who would you credit as one of your biggest mentors in the business, either at the beginning of your career or later on? Obviously, we know you're going to say Michael Hayes. Who else? Who else? Um, you know, even though they were kind of robbing us blind, <laughs> I do have to give a lot of credit to uh, the inspiration for Big Money Matt, which is the Italian saying of George South, because underneath these guys, we learned a lot of psychology and terminology and the ins and outs of the business and the way things really. Work. So, so I, I do have to, uh, I do have to mention those guys. Obviously, once we got to WWE, nobody taught us more than Michael P.S. Hayes did. And he was extremely influential in our career. And without him, you don't see the Hardy boys that they got over like they did. So, so those are the, the first people to come to mind, especially earlier on. Middle Kingdom Wrestling wants to know, with you and your brother, along with your legendary opponents over the years, having taken the ladder match to such heights over the years, what's the best advice you could give to younger wrestlers on putting together a compelling ladder match now that the novelty is not quite what it used to be 20 years ago? It's a good question. Um, the best advice I could give anyone that's trying to put together a ladder match, especially a youngster, that probably the first mindset is going to be thinking about what kind of incredible new original stunt can we do in this match that hasn't been done before and and maybe that is an important aspect of trying to be creative or innovative and do something different but i would say the most important thing in making a, a compelling ladder match putting that story together putting that match together is just slowly working your way up in spots and, and working your way up in, in terms of bigger bumps and 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 bigger falls and 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 bigger sequences like try and tell a good story and, and really invest a lot of time in your storytelling and psychology i feel like that is the most important part in any any ladder match tease the ladder at first you know and then use it as a weapon a little bit and then eventually start climbing and then go bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and i think that's the best way to get the crowd invested to make them want to see what is going to come ahead of uh, whatever you're doing currently austin asks bacon or sausage um I'm okay with both. I like both bacon and sausage. If I had to pick one of the two, I would probably say uh, turkey bacon. That, that would I be knew, my I knew I would, it. I, would, I knew that was the answer. I knew if, it. If it's, I'm okay with pork too. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I, be, I believe in the food chain. I'm fine with pork. <laughs> you know, so I eat, uh, I eat pork bacon and sausage still regularly. Uh, but like when I'm at home too, especially for my family. Uh, Rebby always cooks turkey stuff, but the turkey bacon is is probably the best, and it's also the healthiest. Yeah, turkey bacon's good, man. I'm I'm down with that that gimmick. That's yeah. that's what's up. I appreciate <laughs> that answer. Uh, Pat Pitts, longtime fan, says if you could play a character from Marvel or DC, who would it be and why? Mm. Well, I I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Iron Man, as I've confessed in the past. Um, I also. I like Batman a lot. Batman is probably my favorite DC character when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. But I would say if I was going to portray a character in a role or whatever, uh, I would maybe go with someone who is a little more, who I feel like I'm a little more uh, similar to. And maybe I'd go with Wolverine. I mean, I feel Ooh. like after wrestling 30 years, you know, I, I like uh, getting up. I keep getting up. I keep getting up. Uh, indestructible, you know, like uh, uh, adamantium in my body. That's what I would like to think that I have here in, reality on this plane of of real life so i would go with wolverine i would go with uh with logan i think that's a great answer i i think <laughs> that very much so um rajiv asks what was the best piece of advice you received early in your career that you still maintain to this day mm. 
the best piece of advice that I received early in my career that I still maintain to this day is uh, make it a lifestyle. When it comes to pro wrestling, if you really want to do this as a career, you have to do a little something every single day and almost like make it last, you know, and that, that starts from the way you work out in the gym to the way you eat, to the way you sleep, to the way you take care of your body, uh, to the way you, you train in the ring and, and you work out in the ring. You really have to do a little bit of something every single day. And you also have to know every current promotion that's going on. You know, now, if you're a wrestling fan, I say you need to be keeping up with, you know, WWE, AAW, uh, Impact Wrestling, New Japan, any, anywhere out there. And even more important than that, I think, is to know your history of the business. And I think being able to understand and comprehend what all has happened and knowing all the superstars and, and having a having a huge depth of wrestling knowledge uh, is, is such a benefit to succeeding in pro wrestling. So I would say make it a like that. Uh, Anna asks, as a foster parent, who is the most spoiled kid, Isaiah or Mark? <laughs> um. I would say as a foster parent, uh, they're they're both up there. They're they're both up there in their own individual ways as far as being spoiled. I would say when it comes to being flashy or getting shit in in the ring, it would be Isaiah. Sometimes I have to uh, you know look at him like, come on, we got to go. Time's a ticking. Let's wrap it up. We got to keep moving. We're on the clock here. We're doing whatever. <laughs> and he is a little spoiled when it comes to paying attention. Sometimes sometimes he'll just be off in his own world telling his own jokes and not taking things as serious as I would like, like him to be. Both guys being the most spoiled, but you know, we're working on it and, and we're trying to, we're trying to correct our relationship as well. Currently. It does appear that way. Let's see how that goes. Uh, Matt asks when preparing for a ladder match, does the talent work with the crew to find the right height to hang the belts? Uh, yeah. Usually, whenever you're doing a ladder match, uh, the people in the match will usually get make sure the title or whatever is hanging from the ring is reachable. So that is something that is very important. Obviously, if they would hang and the match could get it, it would it would suck and it would kind of hurt the quality of the match. Obviously, if they had to change that midnight, that always does happen earlier in the day. You have to make sure that you can reach up and, and grab whatever it is from the ladder. Ken asks, will we ever see Brokenhausen? Mm, Brokenhausen. Uh, that, that, that would be a lot of fun. I, I would love to do that. And uh, who knows? It's pro wrestling, so never say never. I, I would say at some point, we, we will definitely get a, a broken Matt Hardy and Dan Housen tag team. That'd be a lot of fun. I am, uh, I'm a fan of his work, and I'm, I'm really... I love how committed he is to the bit, you know, how committed he is to the character. And he's never broke out of that character on a large scene. So people still buy into it, which is, which is so great. And once again, my hat's off kudos to him for being so dedicated. I would love to see a broken house at some point. And if you would, of course, like to see the, what could be of broken housing, <laughs> you can go into our archives and check out our Dan Housen episode, which we, <laughs> sat down with him and watched tag team apocalypto and that was a lot of fun extremehardy.com go check out the archives there on the extreme life of matt hardy good question from cody here go to gas station snack beverage combination uh that's that's a that's an easy one uh if i'm in there i am getting uh uh some like a beef jerky usually something flavored maybe like a teriyaki beef jerky mm. and the water that that is my go-to in a gas station mm. What about the 
bang are we are we still on that kick or no uh yeah I, i've cut i've cut back a little bit i still do drink bangs but i have been cutting back some since i've been fasting and, and dieting i've even cleaned it up i've been uh cutting out soft drinks i haven't been drinking them either so uh, a lot of a lot of water a lot of coffee right now and a lot of uh, unsweetened iced tea that's pretty much my go-to drink if i'm going out to eat well you're hitting those gas stations and thankfully you're able to get there okay because matt hardy i know that you got car shield car shield makes it easy and affordable to protect my car from expensive repairs and that is just for starters car shield is the number one auto protection company in the u.s and the beauty is it offers protection plans for around 100 bucks a month the plans cover more parts than ever before whether your car's got 5,000 miles or 150,000 miles or if your car is broken let me tell you how simple it is to get it fixed when you need a repair, you choose the mechanic. Car Shield's administrators handle all the rest. That is it. You don't have to deal with the paperwork, no headaches, nothing. You're taken care of. And the same goes for if your car breaks down, you're stuck on the side of the road. Plans through Car Shield include coast to coast roadside assistance. They're there for you with rental car options and trip reimbursement at no extra cost. And if you get your coverage today, you're going to lock in your price and it will never go up. That means as long as you own your car, no matter how old it is, you're protected from the rising costs of parts and repairs for your vehicle. When you're taking the vet out there on the road, Matt Hardy, how does Car Shield have your back? Uh, they take great care of me. And and I know I feel I feel safe and I feel confident driving my vet. And in case anyone hits me and my vet get, gets broken, I have Car Shield. Because much like I was once broken, I am now whole. And I know if I'm out and, and someone runs into my Corvette or I ding it or whatever because of Car Shield, if it becomes broken, it will once again become whole. And I want my Corvette to be whole. I can be broken, but I need my Corvette to be whole. Thank you, Car Shield. Absolutely. Car Shield will protect your wallet from expensive car repairs. Go to carshield.com slash podcast to start your plan and lock in your pricing forever. That is carshield.com slash podcast. A deductible may apply. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Let's keep our questions going here. Brian says, what is the hardest ring to work in? You've worked them all. And I'm not talking necessarily about your weird combo trampoline half wrestling ring. What is the hardest promotion driven ring that you've worked in? Uh, the hardest ring that I've ever worked in was the old WWF ring, uh, which was built for monsters, you know, because back in the day, <laughs> seemingly everyone was six foot eight, 350, 360 pounds. And, and they weren't doing a, an, an excessive amount of bumping and whatnot. And they weren't worried about work rate at that time. It was a very different era in pro wrestling. So when myself and Jeff first started working with WWF and uh, especially once we were signed and full time doing that leg drop off the top, to uh to to the mat hurt but it would go away pretty quick because i was young and healthy but I, I i definitely feel the effects of it now that is by far the hardest ring that i worked on on a regular basis the old wf ring like when they turned that ring over and actually made it so guys could take bumps on it and had a little bit of give uh that that made a all the difference in the world that made a huge difference i, I would guess that is why Shawn michaels had that back surgery early because he bumped so hard 
on that ring that, that, that barely moved, which felt like concrete virtually. Isn't it amazing that once Vince McMahon started bumping, the rings magically changed? Uh, th that is, yeah. He, he got out there and got a taste of it. He's like, holy shit, what am I doing to these guys? <laughs> this is terrible. This is cruel and unusual punishment. Because if, be if you line up the timeline, that's pretty much exactly how it happened. So That's, that's a great point. I, I've never thought of that before. Vince gets a stunner, the ring changes. Imagine that. <laughs> no more cruel and unusual punishment for the Hardys. No more of these spot monkeys jumping off from every perch available onto this hard-ass ring, destroying their body. Hardy Heft asks, how many pair of kickwear pants have you gone through in your career? Oh, my. Um, I would guess probably an honest guess, like 40 to 50, I would guess is probably where the number is. Uh, we obviously bought a few pairs of those right from the beginning, and then we got to the point where kickwear – was willing to, to sponsor us and they would send us these pants to wear. So I, I'm down to where I only have, I have two pair that are good of the old originals. I have one that is just tore out of shit and shredded up and I was wearing them for a while. And the other two, I had to get like a, a new zipper on one. I had to get a new button on the other one, but those are the ones that I'm, I'm currently wearing as I'm, I, I'm kind of going through different, uh, different stages of my character earlier on. Obviously when Jeff came back, and we were rocking the Hardy Boys gear again, did that. And then once Jeff left and I'm doing this new story, as I'm kind of re-evolving once again, I am now wearing the stuff that I wore when I first turned Hill back in 2002, before I went to the uh, full-fledged uh, Matitude gear, which was like, you know, very Oriental and, and Asian colors and fabrics and whatnot. Um, but but now I am wearing the, the kickwear pants and, and the, the tank tops. So, yeah, I, uh, I have burned through a bunch of Hardy Boys pants during that time because we wore them, obviously, nonstop when we were on our first run as the Hardy Boys. And then uh, there was a point where I, I phased out when I did Matt Hardy V1, the Sensei Mattitude. And then once I came back and worked with Jeff, there was a point where I worked them in 06 and 07 once he returned to, to WWF. And then I also started wearing, like, stylized pants as well. And then when we were back at TNA, once again, I wore the pants – Again, for a little bit. And now here in 2022, I'm wearing the pants once more. But I have burned through a lot of kickwear pants over the years. Amir wants to know, what's a sleeper match that you would recommend for us to go back and watch? Mm. Uh, I, I would say, and, and, and the reason being, I think this is a sleeper match. Uh, me and Mr. Kennedy, Mr. Anderson, Ken Kennedy, Ken Anderson, how, whatever you call him, whatever moniker you want to address him as. Uh, in 2007, if I'm not mistaken, it was around May or so. And the reason I think this is a sleeper match is not like the, the flashiest match ever, but it's a good, solid match. We learned about seven or eight minutes before going out to wrestle that we're going to be wrestling one another. So we did three segments of television on SmackDown. We opened up SmackDown, three segs, and uh, it was literally all caught in the ring. So if you're a fan of old school wrestling, and just uh, calling stuff in the ring and, and telling a story on the fly in the ring, that matches for you. And, and it was really good considering because by that time in the business, a lot of guys have kind of, you know, they, they've shot away from calling things in the ring. A, a lot of guys want to try to put most of everything together before they go out there nowadays. You know, but like we actually went out and we called every single thing in the ring and we had like a 19, 20 minute match. So that's a, a great match. Matt Hardy versus Ken Kennedy. From May of 2007, you should you should seek it out and watch it. 
Wow, that is dead on, brother. May of is in fact it is May first, two thousand seven. Oh yeah, you, you defeated Ken Candy in fifteen minutes forty seconds in Birmingham, Alabama. Very, very, yeah. And what what was the time? Fifteen minutes forty seconds. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's probably how much because we had a a little bit of aftermath too, and with our entrances, it was probably nineteen or twenty minutes. It was three seconds of TV though. Yeah, and then the. Well, and keep in mind that's on SmackDown, so stuff is getting edited down in SmackDown yeah. at that time yep. too. So, oh, but yeah, 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 yeah. You wrestled March thirteenth on SmackDown as well, and you went fourteen minutes there in Jersey. So that's that's cool, man. That's that's great recall there. May first, two thousand seven, on Friday Night SmackDown. Pull up your peacock. I I, I just I, I remember he he had won the Money in the Bank. It just and I know it yep. Shortly thereafter, so it was either April or May, and I was guessing May. So I'm, I'm yep. glad I, I luckily I, I scored that out of luck. It was a month after, and you were in that Money in the Bank match too. So right, we'll have to go and back. All, 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 all of that went down too because Undertaker was going to be out to have surgery, and I the the initial plan at that time was for Ken Kennedy to cash the Money in the Bank in and win the title from the Undertaker, but. Some things happened at that, that point that ended up changing. And the reason I was going to go out and beat – the reason Vince decided to have me go out and beat uh, Mr. Kennedy at that point was that whenever he won the world title, he would have a competitor, and someone to, to work with automatically. So that was his mindset. Oh, about it. so yeah. you were being set up for a world title program. Yeah, with uh, with King Kennedy, who was going to, to, to defeat Undertaker for the championship. But if I'm not mistaken, I feel like Ken maybe got hurt. I think Ken got hurt, and then he had to drop it to Edge, and he then got, Edge beat Undertaker. He got hurt, and they thought it was going to be a much longer-term injury than it ended up being. It ended up only being like a month, but okay. but they thought he was going to be out for like seven, eight months. So they, Okay, that sounds right. That sounds right. So they had him switch it, and Edge ended up winning. That is so crazy. I did not know that you were going to be a number one contender. That's that's, that, that's why the we, that that's the reason that I, I won that match, and I defeated him. So it's you know, they, they, they love doing that. Like, you know, Mr. Kenny won the title, but I beat you two weeks ago, you son of a bitch. I'm coming for the title now. Well, I, I got a very heated debate about non-title matches on social media this past week where I've, I've been very outspoken. I, I do not love non-title matches. And when I say non-title matches, right. I don't mean a wrestling match without a title on the line, which some right. people took it as, which is a standard wrestling match. And that's not what I'm right. talking about. What I'm saying is... I don't like when champions have titles and they're out there on TV every week wrestling matches without the title being on the line because it opens the door for a lot of cheap finishes. It, in my opinion, devalues them a little bit as a champion if they're overexposed while holding the belt and they're out there wrestling without the belt. I I think, and I understand it's not a complete parallel to normal combat sports like MMA and boxing where they compete a few times a year. I get that. But I think... If you are a creative wrestling entity, there are ways to showcase someone on television without making them wrestle without the title. Either make them wrestle with the title or find another way to get them on your TV screen that leads to a big prize fight title match. I actually think AEW does that very well uh, with mm-hmm. some of their championships. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, uh, I, I feel like Tony Khan is kind of that same mindset too. And, and he, he, I know he doesn't like just giving away title matches. He tries to make there be some sort of logical reason for a title match to happen, which kudos to him for doing that. And he's not a big fan of that 
uh, a, a non-title match and the team that that aren't the champions defeat the champions and then that leads to a, a, a title match. He, he's not a big fan of that. I just I think it's lazy booking, honestly. And I hope in WWE with Triple H taking over, we see much less of that. The man with three H's. My gut says we will see less of that too. So we've already seen less rematches. There's nothing more I hate than rematches. So that's always a positive there. Uh, let's see. Uh, Andre asks, who's your favorite ally and who's your favorite rival? Oh, boy. Um, my you favorite got a lot ally. Of frenemies, man. A lot of frenemies out there. Yeah. Uh, so is this like one in the same or is this like two separate questions? It's who's your favorite ally and who's your favorite rival. If it's the same answer, that's fine, too. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say my favorite ally would be my brother, Jeff Hardy. Just, uh, you know, as the Hardys. And once again, I put us maybe it was biased. But fuck it, let me be biased. I put us on uh, my Mount Rushmore, and uh, it was a, a lot of people supported that decision, which was very cool. You know, so if if, if you want to get angry at me and say I'm just uh, being selfish and putting myself on there because it's my podcast, then that's fine. But I think we've earned that. I think we've legitimately earned that. Um, my favorite, my favorite rival, uh, Christian is definitely one, because we've been fighting each other for a quarter of a century. He's a real son of a bitch. Um, Ray Mysterio is another one. MVP, Edge. Those are the guys that stand out as my favorite rivals. Mm, I like that. It's a that's that's a good handful. A, a good Mount Rushmore of Matt rivals, if you yeah, will. Yeah, 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 yeah. So very much so. So I like that. Uh Brad asks, Matt, do you sleep on your stomach or your back? It's currently a very hot debate in my house. <laughs> um I, I typically sleep on my side. As crazy as that is. It's, right it's side kind of, or left side? Uh, my right side. I can sleep on both sides, but but typically my right side that, that I sleep on. But usually when I wake up in the morning, I am turned over to my back at some point. Okay. So that, that that is how that works. Who's hogging the covers? You or Rebby? Uh, it, it would typically be her. She she would usually be the one that, that hogs the covers. Uh, she she would take them in her sleep. She just like constantly wrapping herself up like a burrito. If she does that, and then like whenever I sleep with the kids, which I do a lot, I sleep with like Maxwell and Wolfie. And now Barty is just so obsessed with sleeping together. A lot of times in the morning, or sometimes early in in the uh, in in the morning before I'm ready to wake up, like at five six o'clock in the morning, I like wake up and I'm being kicked, and I'm laying uh, vertical like a normal regular human being sleeping in bed, and then the the kids end up turning horizontal and they're like all kicking the shit out of me which is so weird why why do you guys do this every single night that's that's a kid thing i i thought that video you posted of barty was so funny the straw baby that was that was that was super so cute. I, I mean i know it's just like we're not on him to to correct it because he's so cute as as of right now you know we loved it like maxwell's was so good when he was little uh instead of pizza he'd say puka puka is when he was super little puka 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 and uh, there, there were so many little crazy code words he would have and whatnot. Mm. And then Woofy has that. And Woofy still says like berserks. He almost says like instead of berserk, it's almost like berserk. But he would say berserk. Oh, can I have some berserk? If I eat healthy dad, I can I have some berserk? And we still haven't corrected him yet because it's still so cute. And once in a while he'll say dessert, but he'll still say berserk time to time. So that's that's real fun. And I know Barty is going to start calling it just a straw berry very soon. So like why he was still saying straw baby, I wanted to capture it and document it. Because these events must be documented. They're only little for such a short time, which is so, so sad. My sister is about three years younger than me. And when we were kids, my 
mom and dad would say, oh, go give that to brother. Give the whatever to brother. Go say hi to brother, blah, blah, blah. Right. And at, at about two years old or something around that, they were like, oh, give that to Jonathan. And she just stared at them. And they were <laughs> like, oh, shit. She thinks the name is brother. So <laughs> that was one where they maybe should have corrected at some yeah. point. So uh, you do have to be cognizant of that in some, right. in some regard. Uh, well, speaking of Rebby, Kelly asks, will you and Rebby do a reality show? Uh, we would both be up for it. And uh, there, there's a couple things that we've been working on. Uh, we don't have anything super substantial yet, but we do have a couple of irons in the fire, so to say. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we would we would definitely be up for doing that. And that is something that would definitely be right up both of our alleys, I think. And it would be super interesting because one of the things I can say is like, what uh, you know, I'm always going to think my kids are the best probably, you know, which is once again, a biased perspective, but it is what it is, but they're also different. And so interesting. And just to watch my personality and the way I interact with the kids and Rebby's personality and her temperament and the way she interacts with the kids. And then to see us handle stuff together with the kids and how different the kids are. They are also massively different. They all have such massively different personalities would make for some damn interesting TV. For sure. And just where we live, the Hardy compound, there's just so many things on this property that, that is so interesting as well. So there, there's a there's a lot to dive into. And I think it would make an extremely compelling reality TV show. I'll be the Jesse Palmer for that. We're giving the narration, teeing up the big events and then bam, F bomb from Rebby and we're yeah. off to the races. So that's <laughs> that's good. Concept. Good for the key demo, if you will. Yes. More House Hardy questions. Christian Johnson asks, any plans for another baby in the future? Mm, um, I, I don't know. We finally got a girl, which we were very happy about. And I, I would be up for another kid. But, you know, my job is easy. I am just a <laughs> contributor. You know, Rebby is the one that has to do all the work, and she has to put her body through all that. So uh, we will see. She has got a big vacation plan with uh, her niece and cousin coming up in – September. So she's like, I can't get pregnant before that. So just let me get through that. And, and then, then, we'll, then we'll talk about it afterwards. Then we'll have a discussion if there ends up being one more. And sometimes she asks the kids, she'll ask Maxwell and Wolfie and Barty, do you, do you want another baby? Do you want another baby? And Maxwell's like, I don't know. It's up to you guys if you want one. But Wolfie <laughs> said, yes, I want another baby. I want another baby. He's been pretty set on it. Wolfie is, is a wild man, dude. He is, he is a loose cannon. Uh, he, he is very blunt and I feel like he gets a lot of that personality-wise from from Rebby. And he also, I think his anger and temperament comes from Rebby, too, because he will get very, very mad very quickly. Mm, the, the legend reincarnated, if you oh, will. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I say this all the time. Like, Maxwell is, is a sweetheart. And once again, he's a good negotiator. And he understands, like, if there's a, a tricky situation, you try and talk through it and, and you negotiate, and you, you make it right, you, you figure things out. Woofy, I feel like he is just like, fuck it. I want to scorch the earth. You know, <laughs> he's just like, I, I'm just, I'm just going to, I'll fight. I'll run through whoever, whatever it is. So I'm just trying to keep Woofy from turning into Dexter Morgan right now. <laughs> uh, That's Max- my go to Woofy joke. <laughs> Maxwell's going to grow up and be the secret sauce, man. It's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Gage says you can have one match with anyone from any company, any era. Who is it? Hmm. I have answered this question many times, and 
and I think you are going to know who my go-to answer is. It is uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. I would have loved to have had that match, especially Prom Matt Hardy versus Prom Macho Man Randy Savage. But somebody else I've been thinking about, and, and just recently, a, a couple weeks ago, I was watching one of his matches by by chance. I came across on YouTube. Someone I would have loved, someone I would have loved to work with is uh, the Great Moda, especially oh, like when he first nice. came over, like to the U.S. and was doing NWA into WCW, like the stuff he did with Sting. When he had the match where uh, they had a God, what was the uh, the electrified match that was it the uh, him and Terry Funk and Sting yeah maybe mm-hmm. Flair what what was what was the match called you know it was the big cage it was the extra big cage and it had the stuff at the top that would shock you if you touched it and Muda was like so animated in everything he would do. Uh, and I know he like got up like he's coming out of the cage like the chicken shit hill. And he's like, ah, and, you know, he's talking ah. about and the electrified the, Thunderdome. Maybe so, was it the Thunderdome? Is that right? The electrified Thunderdome. Halloween. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it was Halloween. Yeah. But 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 Muda on top of being uh, a very Japanese style wrestler who was just so badass and could could do everything, and his moonsault was like picture perfect every single time. He was also so animated and such a great character. Muda is another guy that myself and Jeff were big fans of growing up as well. And like Jeff took a lot of influence from Muda into his Will of the Wisp character as well. Willow had a lot of Muda in him, a lot of uh, a lot of Muda and a lot of uh, Jushin Liger. Can't say I'm surprised to hear that on either right. of those fronts. Uh, Clay Jackson says, "Wonderful." As a fellow Carolinian, I just want to know who are the coolest people aside from family that you've worked with, and who, in your opinion, is the biggest celebrity you've met. By the way, that middle turnbuckle leg drop is still awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Clay. And that is wonderful. Oh, man. Uh, as far as the, the nicest people I've worked with, I mean, there's just been been so many in, in pro wrestling. Uh, it's it's really hard to let me even think about this in, in depth at some point. And, and thank you so much for enjoying that middle, uh, middle rope leg drop. That's what I, I trimmed down to try and salvage a little bit of my uh my coccyx from doing it off the top rope every night that's why it it went to the second eventually um some of the nicest people i've ever worked with i was mick foley is one of the first people that stands out mick foley is one of the nicest people i ever worked with and he also gave us a a big break early on in our career because he asked the office to uh put myself and jeff into his vhs tape which was coming out the three faces of foley so like mick foley is an absolute sweetheart every time i run into him it's great to see him and we talk about family and kids and growing up and just like current events that are happening or whatever. So uh, Mick Foley, I would say, is one of the, the the sweetest, nicest, kindest guys that I've ever worked with. And Who's the biggest more- celebrity? Who's the biggest yeah. celebrity you've ever met? Yeah. Um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> I think we did talk about that. He, he probably is as of right now. I mean, you know, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson – uh, Mike Tyson was obviously such a huge deal at one time. I've you know, met him several times, know him. Snoop Dogg. Uh, I don't know. There's there's a lot. Uh, I've been pretty pretty blessed to, to meet a lot of people, which is cool. Yeah, well, actually, let's let's transition then. Uh, Kumarin, I apologize if I pronounced that incorrectly. He says, any good rock stories that Matt has during the Attitude Era? I always wondered if the Hardys had some interesting interactions with the rock. Yeah, one of my... One of my funnest, most fun rock stories uh, is when he was just Rocky Maivia, right when he first started. And this is before we had officially signed a contract, but they brought us around pretty regularly at this time 
So like everybody knew who he was, but he had just started. And it's like around that time he was getting the die Rocky die chance and, and whatnot, whatever we were driving to a venue one time and uh, you could see me. Now, and this was back in the day, obviously, right? This is before GPS is on phones. This is before, before the Garmin's this is before you had the, God, what was the thing you would print out back in the day, which would give you the direction, whatever that was. MapQuest. MapQuest before you had that. So it, it's back when you had to use the, the full fledged Atlas, right? You know, and I had the Atlas of all 50 States and, you know, I'm looking through it. I'm obviously, I, I would be the navigator. Our driver was typically Jason Arndt, which was Joy Abs. Whenever we were all together, you know, Jeff, we wouldn't let him navigate. He couldn't even damn tell directions on a map anyway. But we wouldn't let him navigate or drive. He was too much of a of a loose cannon. And uh, we were driving, and we were at a stoplight, and I was sitting there, and you could see me like looking through the atlas, and I'm going back and forth, going back and forth, and we hear beep, beep, beep. Beside us, it's it's the Rock. You know, when he's doing Rocky My V, and he rolls in and we say, "Hey, what's up, guys?" You guys all right? He said, you guys know where the arena is? I said, no, we actually went to the wrong place. We we thought we were at a different arena, but we're not there. And I, I don't see the information where we need to go to. He said, shit, guys. He said, follow me. I know exactly where I'm going. He said, I, I went there earlier today. So, so come on, come with me. And he actually took us in there. He said, oh, yeah. As we're pulling in, you know, they gave us a little bit of a hard time. They said, oh, well, who are you guys? We said, oh, well, we're, we're here and we're working. You know, where Matt, Jeff Hardy, Jason Arndt, Marty Garner. And he said, no, those guys are cool. They've been here forever. He said, let, let them in. Let them in. And he told the security guy so they didn't hassle us, gave a, gave us a hard time. So the security guy didn't hassle us and give us a hard time. He, like, had him wave us in. And he took care of us, got us into the venue, walked us in, and uh, and led us there. So that, that showed the the kind of cool dude that uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson was, too, even back in the day. He is as good of a dude as advertised, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. That's That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. He he just gives off the best vibe. And you know, again, you were my guy, Kurt was my guy, but my guy. Yeah. The rock. So yeah. I gotta show Dwayne some love there. <laughs> uh all right. Fester Fink says, or wants to know rather, what is the strangest thing a fan has ever done to and for you? Now I believe you told the story here about the blood on on this show yeah. before as your your weirdest fan interaction. But I mean, give us another one that stands out to you. The weirdest thing that a fan has done. Um, that that is the the blood story is probably the, the the weirdest thing a fan has ever done. the The other one would be after we first started working and uh, we got hot and we were doing pretty good. I said that I I liked going back and taking my Omega tapes, which were VHS tapes at this time, and using two VCRs to actually, uh, you know, try and like clip stuff out on another one and like record stuff and, and build these special like tribute packages and put a little music over it or whatever. I, I, that was a big hobby of mine back in the day. I was the one that did all that promotion, especially if we were having like demo reels or whatnot. And I remember I'd shared with a fan on the road that one of my VCRs had, had broken and I have to get another one to make these. And whenever I got back to my PO box, this fan that I had told that actually bought and sent me a, v, uh, a VCR. So I had a brand new VCR to continue putting tapes together of my old Omega stuff for demo reels and whatnot. So that that's probably that's a that's another thing that's pretty wild because obviously a, a VCR was half ass expensive back in those days too. And, yeah. and this wrestling fan not only bought a VCR for me but actually shipped it to me and sent it, and I got it at our PO box in Cameron, North Carolina. Did you use it? I did. Yeah. You go. Okay. I did. Yeah. I, I was. I was willing to use it. It wasn't blood. I wasn't asked to inject it. I wasn't asked to be bond with someone for all of eternity. So yeah, I was okay with this. Uh, 
with this VCR gift. That's available on our last Ask Matt Anything episode. You can go check that out in the archives, extremehardy.com. Uh, we got a question from Nicole, who's from New York City, and she's asking you to say something real quick for all the New York City fans. I, I just texted you it because I don't want to read it to you. I don't want to say it. She wants you to say it real quick in your most authentic New York accent. So please right. uh, dance for us, puppet here. Please dance. Uh, <laughs> here you go. The puppet is about to dance. Can I have a bacon, egg, and cheese with salt, pepper, and ketchup? <laughs> Those feisty New Yorkers, man. You know I ain't touching a bacon, egg, and cheese. I got no time for the egg. None of that. That's like heinous here in New Jersey for me to say I won't eat the pork roll or the Taylor ham, but I won't touch it. But I'm glad that you're able to put a quick order there for Nicole. So thank you for <laughs> you're, you're not an egg fan? I hate eggs with every fiber of my body. Really? With every fiber every of your being? fiber of my essence. <laughs> but so does Guy Fieri. And he's like the president of the world. So if, if he hates it, I feel somewhat justified. I won't touch okay. it. All right. There you go. There, you're great. You're in an echo chamber with guy. Eggs are okay to hate now. <laughs> David Wilson has a good one. Have you ever thought about going after the NWA title? Uh, yeah, that's a great question, David. And I, I have thought about maybe doing something with NWA and maybe, chasing down the NWA title. And, and, and I think that would almost kind of happen if the stars aligned in the right way, especially with a relationship between AEW and NWA. And I know they, they have been cool and they have worked together in the past. And I think they will probably work together in the future again. So, so we'll see if the, if the planets align and there was a, a deal where I could kind of uh, split off and do some NWA stuff with Billy Corgan and, and work for the NWA title. I think that'd be fun. I think that would be a, a good fit for me too in my current career stage as well, working there in the NWA. That would, that'd be a lot of fun. Or as Dan Hansen refers to him, uh, Bill Pumpkin. Yes. Bill Pumpkin. And you know, you know, one of the funniest things, whenever we did that, uh, the great war, you know, we, we specifically got a whole bunch of pumpkins that Itchweed was throwing uh at the decay members and that that was in 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 the great war and that was the pre-taped uh part of the match we did stuff live in the arena and then we were out and we did a pre-taped part that we did shot the night before and then we came back to the arena to finish the match but the whole point of that you know was a a, a little tribute to you billy corgan and the smashing smashing pumpkins. yeah I love it. because uh itchweed was smashing pumpkins elizabeth asks what is one question you wish people would stop asking um, and this probably isn't because he is away on a sabbatical right now but just it's something that Jeff gets all the time it's something that I get all the time and I feel like really popular tag teams get this all the time they always go like hey where's Jeff like when I'm out with my you know my wife and my kids wherever you go oh my god hey Matt Hardy where's Jeff you know it's like you're attached to the hip people think that as, as far as tag team partners you know I hear that with Jay all the time, <laughs> you know, if like I'm with Christian at some point, you know, recently over the last year, you know, if we're together somewhere, they go, Hey, where's edge? Where's Jeff? They just constantly ask where your tag team partner is like, guys, we're like adults and we have like our own lives and our own families. Like we're not together 24, seven, 365, you know, every single year. So that is a, a question I probably get overly asked that it would be nice not to get asked as much or any. 
One question everyone is asking Matt Hardy these days is how are you keeping healthy? And the answer, of course, is AG1s by yeah. Athletic Greens. One of our favorite partners here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. It is one delicious scoop of AG1 and you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This is a special blend of ingredients that supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, focus, aging, all of those things. And when Matt Hardy is trying to get those Z's and Wolfie is kicking him in the face, he knows that AG1 is going to be what's going to get him up in the morning. How'd your AG1s go down today, Matt? Uh, great. Once again, as I told you, I'm currently dieting again and I'm fasting again at night. So uh, it was it was a very nice reward to get some AG1s before I went to the gym this morning. So I, I appreciate that. And once again, I got my day kickstarted and I'm here feeling like a million bucks doing the extreme life of Matt Hardy, all because of my AG1s. Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to cover. It, it cost him $100 a day. So he created Athletic Greens after experiencing how difficult it was to create an optimal nutrition routine on your own. Again, this is all in one, guys, and it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health. It's cheaper than your cold brew habit, cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. And right now, it's time to reclaim your health. Arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop in a cup of water every single day. That is it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. And how many free travel packs, Matt Hardy? They're going to give you five, cinco, five, cinco, five free travel packs. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Hardy. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash Hardy to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And we thank them for sponsoring the extreme life of Matt Hardy. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Chris asks, out of every wrestler that you haven't faced, past or present, which one do you think would give you the that was awesome, but I'm never taking you on again match? A very specific question, but someone you've never faced that you yeah. think would give you the, that was awesome, but I'm never taking you on again match. Hmm. Oh, okay. I, <clears throat> I think I've got this. Uh, okay. and, and, and this might actually become a reality, actually, now that I'm saying this. Um, Brian Danielson. Mm. Uh, someone that I have never had. Uh, I've interacted with, interacted with him some back during the WWE NXT days when it was like the, the pro and the rookie or whatever. But now that he's here and he's a, a, a huge star, obviously, uh, that, that would be a match. I think if I went in with him, it would be I, I would go full bore. And, and he kicks the shit out of people. You know, I know Nick Jackson wrestling. He's like, oh, my God, I wasn't sure if this was a pro wrestling match or an MMA fight. Felt like I was doing the UFC out there. So I, I feel like 
and I'm cool with that too. I, I still like it. I, I would rather throw strikes and be rough than like take a bunch of crazy, insane spot monkey bumps currently, you know, but just to go out with Brian Danielson and beat the shit out of each other. I, I would enjoy that. And I think it'd be a fun match. So uh, that, that that is probably the, uh, the answer I would give Brian Danielson. I always found it funny that in that NXT season that he was in, he was more knowledgeable than probably just about anybody on that stage, including the WWE veterans, and yet he's the rookie. Yeah. I just thought that was chef's kiss. Uh, yeah, Brian Danielson, Minoru Suzuki. That's probably a guy that would give you that kind of match where sure. that was great, but uh, no thank you ever again. Who, who is John from New Jersey wants to know, who is the most vicious chopper you've ever been face to face with like who who gave you just the hardest chop uh benoit, benoit. I, I would say yeah benoit and especially i, I worked with benoit a lot yeah. many many times a lot on the road a lot on house shows and and i always knew like uh there was one point when uh myself and mvp we were deep in our angle and uh i, I think I've, I've told you this before you know like the the whole kind of story of our our angle was like who's better than who or like i'm better than you you know so we had all these competitions to see who's better than who or if i am better than you that was our you know our whole dispute so we had that almost like bled over into real life because we were like very legitimately close at that time and we were both single dudes at that time uh we were both going hard between like partying and being out and like hanging in a club or doing whatever we're doing and we were super competitive about everything. So it had been someone's birthday and we had been out very late the night before and we were working each other on the road. And we always, we had two versions of our house show match. We had our, you know, work rate match where we got bust our ass and we'd work super hard against one another. And then if we were exhausted and we hadn't slept the night before or whatever it may have been, we'd run down from partying or frolicking, whatever we were doing at that time, we had an entertainment match that we could do between Matt Hardy and MVP, which was kind of based around the whole I'm better than you concept. So I remember walking into a venue in Maine one time. I want to say, I, I feel like it was Bangor. I'm, I'm not, there it is, my stomping grounds, brother. That's where yeah, the, I, I feel like it was Bangor. I'm, I'm not 100% sure of that. But I remember I walked in, and this is when I was the – I may have been the U.S. champion. I may not have been. But I remember I had been working with the MVP. And I look, and the card had changed. And we'd only slept a couple hours. We were both <laughs> hungover and exhausted. And I look on the card, and the main event is Matt Hardy versus Chris Benoit. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm going <laughs> to fucking die. You know, like, he's going to beat the shit out of me. Now, I've got to go. Because you knew if you were wrestling Chris Benoit, I mean, he was only one gear. And that was like fifth gear. You know, that's as fast as you could possibly yeah. go. So, uh, so, so that, that was quite the shock. I was like, oh, geez, I'm regretting not sleeping last night and being hungover right now. And I had to go out there and fight with Benoit, and he would just chop the shit out of you because so, Benoit, you know, you know, if you're in the ring with him, it, it was going to be a go, go, go night. I have an amazing story to connect to this. So, this was probably what, 2007, you'd say? 07, 08, something like yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. So you mentioned Bangor Man. Bangor Man is where my career started. I, I was a sports right. director at ABC Fox affiliate up there, and I, I got really ingrained in the wrestling scene there. That's where I started working indies. And um, I will never forget, because I was having a casual conversation with one of the workers, and they were like, oh, who are your favorites? And I, I talk about you being on, amongst my favorites. And he's like, man, I remember Matt Hardy. It was probably... 
around seven years ago at this point. So this this was around 2014, 2015, somewhere in okay. there. He's like, I saw him. WWE was in town for a house show. I saw him at the roadway in and he was walking over to the gas station next to it to pick up something. And he looked rough. And I'm now putting two and two together. And that very well could have been the night that you just said that you had a rough night and you found out that you had to face Chris Benoit. So that is, wow, what a weird coincidence, putting those two stories together. That's very funny. It was was this like super shitty roadway in. They put some WWE talent up back then. uh, (laughs) Yikes. That's, wow. Near and dear to my heart is Bangor, man. Shout out to any maniacs who are listening to the Extreme Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, Chris Benoit, you know, obviously everyone hates how everything ended with him, understandably and correct, correctfully uh, so. But I was just going to say, whenever I, I wrestled him, I love wrestling him on TV because I knew I'd be ready for it and I would go because I was prepared for TV and I knew it was always, always going to be a phenomenal match. Uh, you know, but like whenever we're on a house show, especially if I was run down or beat up, I was like, fuck. Yeah, I always dreaded wrestling Benoit because I knew you couldn't slow down. You had to go as hard as you possibly could because he was that kind of maniac where he he only had that one gear and he was always going to go as hard as he could possibly go. Yeah, that's what a lot of people say about him. So regardless of what happened, uh, there's no doubting his in-ring stature by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Let's see, Michael asks, how important is crowd engagement and crowd response to help engage the structure and pacing of a match? Does Matt have any strategies he uses to engage audience members? Yeah, I mean, uh, the crowd reaction is is kind of, it it should dictate how you work in the ring a little bit. Even though we are calling the shots in the ring and and we try and dictate how the crowd is going to react, if there's a crowd that is like not as in the stuff in the very beginning, Sometimes you kind of have to jumpstart that crowd by doing something special to kind of get them invested in your match. If you have a crowd that is like super enthusiastic right from the jump and they're good, I feel like you can slow down and you can do more interaction with the crowd and you can do more character stuff, especially if they're eating that up. Eddie Guerrero is the guy who could read a crowd better than anybody else I've ever worked with. And he would change the course of our match, even if we talked about going a certain direction every single night, if the crowd was different because he could really listen and and read the crowd. Like if the crowd was down, he would know you have to pick up the pace and, and do something that is like, uh, do something that like ma- ma- makes a statement right from the jump to get the crowd invested in it. But if the crowd was good and they were into what you're doing, he would slow down. You would see him powder. You would see him do character stuff, interact with the crowd, and then come in and do some shitty hill stuff and then, and then give it back and then powder once again especially if you could pace yourself the right way, if the crowd was already invested in both the characters that were watching in a match. So that, that would be my, my, my best advice. Uh, as far as the crowd, just figure out, you know, in those first couple of minutes, what kind of crowd are you working with? Are they into both wrestlers or both wrestlers over? If that is the case, then kind of take your time and slowly build and do a lot of character stuff and interact with the crowd. If they're not into it as much, give them some sort of athletic, high spot or give them some sort of athletic combination that is going to get them invested in the match because you got to get them there to have them for that finish. Let's do a few more questions here, Matt, and then we'll wrap things up on this ask Matt anything episode. We got so many questions, so we're greatly appreciative of everyone who did submit. Uh, Valerie asked, will we ever see a Hardy's versus motor city machine guns match sometime in the near future? This is a match I've wanted to see you and Jeff's since you and Jeff's time in TNA. 
Yeah, I, I I would love to have a match against the Motor City Machine Guns. I mean, that that's what's kind of the purpose of Jeff and I doing independent shows when we were doing so many appearances right at the beginning of his AEW run. Uh, I, I would love to have that match. I, I like both those guys a lot. I think Chris Saban and Alex Shelley are super talented. I think they really made a mark as a tag team, and they were one of the innovative tag teams when the, the size and the style was kind of changing in you know the mid-early 2000s. So, yeah, I would love to have that match. Will it happen? I don't know, but I would love to have it happen. I would love to see the Hardy Boys versus Motor City Machine Guns. They're, they're one of those trailblazing tag teams, too, in their yeah. own right. They're one of the best of their era, and that's a match I would have absolutely loved to have seen. And I'd venture to guess they probably had a little influence from the Hardy Boys themselves. At some I would guess so, yeah. Just, just venturing to guess. Uh, Braden asks, have either of you heard the former Kevin Steen, now Kevin Owens, commentary on the first Bucks versus Hardys match in NEW? I recently went back and watched it and died all over again. Matt and I were going to watch this match before we pivoted to the other Bucks match that we watched on the Bucks episode. But I thought Kevin Owens was great on that match. He is so quick-witted, and when his in-ring days are done, I hope he moves on to color commentary full-time because he would be excellent at it. Uh, I have. I, I've watched that match back a couple times. Yeah. So uh, it, it, it was very funny. It was very, very entertaining. He's great, man. And we were yeah. supposed to do an episode on him, but we pivoted, and we will be doing it at some point. I promise you guys that. But I can't wait to hear some of your stories that you have with Kevin Owens because he's a great talent. Indeed. Uh, and and I'm, I'm so happy, too, that he's just – you know, WWE saw Oz value because that was that was a big question in the very beginning, you know, mm -hmm. because he he's not he wasn't Vince's body type. You know, Vince is no longer there now. Uh, Triple H is obviously running the show, which is going to be very beneficial for Kevin, I would guess. Uh, great for him. But he's always been such a dynamic, unique performer. And, and I love the fact that he is just so well spoken in both French and English. So, yeah, yeah like cool. I, I like Kevin a lot. And when I, I worked a program with him in Ring of Honor and greatly enjoyed it. And he's just so deceivingly athletic, you know, for his body size and his body shape. Kevin's great, man. Can't my say enough good things about him. My gut says the best is yet to come for Kevin Owens in WWE still. So I'm excited yes. to see what happens. All right, two more questions. Bryant says, I was a fan of your brief run in Ring of Honor after your release in 2005. How did the deal come about? Who were some of the people you were hoping to work with? One of my personal favorite matches was your match with Christopher Daniels. Uh, Matt, somebody actually brought that up to me recently, that they uh -huh. were at that match, and they loved it, your match with Christopher Daniels. So who were you hoping to work with at that time, and how did the deal come about? Uh, I had already spoke to Ring of Honor about doing stuff before I ended up being rehired. And once I was rehired uh, – WWE were okay with, you know, to, to continue the realism of kind of the story that was going on there. Uh, they allowed me to still do those things. And it was almost like, you know, when Matt shows up at these WWE events and he attacks Edge, he, he really doesn't belong here because he's now a Ring of Honor wrestler. That was the whole mindset. But the Ring of Honor fans being so smart at that time, much like the current fans are today. I mean, they, they, they knew that the very first time that I showed up against Christopher Daniels, they weren't hundred percent sure that I was back with WWE or that I was going to be back with WWE, but huge pop, massive baby face. Right. But by that last match, when I worked Roderick strong, I was like the biggest hill in the company already. And that was only three matches, you know, because like I came in, I had the match with Christopher Daniels and that was in Connecticut. And I, I love that match. I loved working with Chris Daniels. It was, I, I want to say at one point, 
it was so hot. We were sweating so much. If you go back and watch that match, you see sweat flying off of us nonstop. It was like 100 degrees in that building. It was brutally hot. Like, can't breathe. I'm going to suffocate hot. Uh, I like that match a whole lot, though. Uh, the second match was I worked with Homicide, if I'm not mistaken. And then the next night was Rod Roderick Strong. And uh, as I kept doing these matches, people turned against me more and more and more because they knew I was now uh, back in the WWE system, back in the WWE machine. And especially the, the last match I had with Roderick Strong, I said, you know, I've already beat two of your favorites here, Christopher Daniels and Homicide, and now I'm going to whip Roderick Strong's ass and, uh, and, and then leave undefeated from Ring of Honor and go back to work for the great Vince McMahon and WWE, the, the biggest company in the history of the business. And I was booed out of the building so hard on the night because they were so worried I was really going to win every single match. But obviously at the end of that night, Roderick Strong beat me. And that, that was kind of the whole point of this whole deal anyway. Was there anyone um, you were hoping to work with? No, no one specifically. Uh, I, I, was, I was very happy to wrestle with Christopher Daniels because I'd known him from earlier on in our days in WWE. So, so that was a lot of fun. I would have maybe Punk at that time, I guess, because Punk was so hot, but Punk was on his way out too. That was like one of his. I, I want to say the match I, Roderick Strong was his final match, if I'm not mistaken. And I think he did a big deal with Colt Cabana. Um, but no, there, there was not a specific one person I really wanted to work with, but I loved working with Roderick Strong. And we were just talking about that match the other day online. And I had said something about how much I greatly enjoyed it. Someone asked that they loved the match and it was one of their favorite matches or something. And Roderick Strong said, Oh my God, this was a big challenge for me. And it taught me so much. And I learned so many lessons in that match and like, thanks so much for doing it. Uh, so, so, so that was cool. It was a lot of fun. That little ring of honor run. Right, let's get one more question in here from RJ. He says, Conrad sometimes says only if there were a few years younger or older, they'd be more over. In your opinion, who are a few men or women from the nineties that would have worked well in the attitude era or after that? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> the first person I think about it, it, I feel like if they were older and maybe had more life experience, uh, they could have been a big star later on down the road or, or during that time is it, Teddy Hart because he went to those dojos with us. He was extremely athletic. He was smart as far as like, doing wrestling from a psychology standpoint, obviously he'd been around the hearts. So that, that he had, he was able to tap into these great minds, right? I mean, he, he knew Brett and, and Owen and was kind of sat underneath their learning tree, but he was so young and so immature when he first came around. I, I think if we would have, if he would have came, if he'd been a little older when he came through to the dojos so that he didn't fuck up and he was a little more mature, a little more responsible, I think he could have been a big deal back in the day. That's the first person that comes to mind. I'll give you one, especially if we're talking early 90s here. Bull Nakano. If Bull Nakano had been around in an era where women's wrestling was appreciated, mm. uh, I think I think we're talking a big-time player. Yeah. Big-time player in the United States specifically. Yeah. It did did well overseas, but in would have done. And the same goes for Alundra Blaze. Medusa. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say Medusa. Yeah, Alundra Blaze. I mean, because she was she was awesome then. If it had been a point where women's wrestling was taken as serious as it is today, uh, she would have been a huge asset to a women's division. Certainly so. And and there's a lot of other people that kind of scratch my radar, especially from like that era of WCW that that could have broken out a little more, but. Uh, honestly, for some reason, Bull's the first one that came to mind for me. So, 
yeah, good good stuff there, Matt. We had so many great questions, some that we didn't get a chance to get to, but we will do more Ask Matt Anything, guys. So make sure you send them in earlier. That gives us more time to take a look at them. Hashtag Ask Matt whenever we do these Ask Matt Anything episodes. What do you think of the questions this time around? Some good ones, yeah. Uh, I, I definitely enjoyed doing these, and I want to thank everyone out there that did submit questions. Uh, I, I, I love answering questions, and I hope everyone – enjoys these answers. I try and go into detail on as much stuff as I can, but these, these are a lot of fun. And I, I love taking fan questions, especially when they're really unique, well thought out questions that I've never got before. Those are, those are my favorite. Well, we have a really, really cool string of episodes coming up soon. I've had a few people ask, John, we, we haven't done a, a look back episode in a long time. I think it's actually been since the beginning of July that we haven't done a look back. Well, that is about to change, and it's going to be with a big one, one of our most requested episodes to date. Matt Hardy next week on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. It is TLC1, SummerSlam 2000. You and I had a chance to watch this match back already for ad-free shows. If you're not a member of ad-free shows, go head over there now. Check that out. You can see that whole episode in the archives. But we are going to take a deep dive into TLC1, find out how this match came about, and look at all the little nuances that made it one of the most memorable matches of your career. How excited are you for that one? Tables, ladders, and chairs. Oh, oh my. Uh, I, I am. I'm excited. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. The week Maybe after we, that? I, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just, just going to say, I wish we could uh, redo the finish. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that's, that's something I'll be able to go on a rant on. Yes, you will. And especially and now that the cat's out of the bag. Yes, the cat is out of the bag. I can't wait to hear about that one. Um, then the week after that, we're going to do an episode on CM Punk, which should be a very cool dive. And I'm, I'm curious yeah. what your thoughts are going to be, especially his run with Jeff that he had and some of your thoughts on that. I'm right. sure we'll hear some cool opinions on that. And then the week after that, we are going to be discussing WWECW, one of the most controversial brand extensions in the history of professional wrestling. And you were the world champion of WWECW. And I'm sure we'll hear some cool stories that most people don't know in that episode. So we got three, three pretty cool episodes coming up here. TLC one next week, CM Punk the week after that, then WWECW. And Matt, there's always one way that people can help out this podcast, and that's when they go to their favorite app where they receive their podcast or YouTube. And what can they do for us? Uh, they can go in there and please write your thoughts out online on your device and post them and share them. We would love to hear your feedback to our podcast. Uh, myself and Mr. Alba, we put a lot of heart and soul into these. And uh, you give us a great review. You screenshot it. And then post it to Matt Hardy Pod on social media or Matt Hardy Brand on social media or John Alba on social media. And then give us a review on whatever platform you listen on or give us a review on all platforms. Give us a five, cinco, five, cinco, five star review. Post that and who knows, you might win something. You'll definitely be entered to win something because we love giving away shit here at the Extreme Life. Yes, we do. And we'll read your reviews on air like this one from your boy, Josh Fields, big time Matt Hardy fan says the extreme life of Matt Hardy podcast is fantastic. 
Matt has a wealth of knowledge about the business and always has great insight behind the stories that define a generation of fans. The banter between Matt and the quintessential host, John Alba. Oh, boy. The quintessential host. I'm blushing here. Make Look at that. Make the show feel like two friends having a conversation on their front porch. The topics are always entertaining and have great guests on occasion to bring a fresh perspective to that week's particular episode. Cannot recommend this podcast enough. It is appointment listening every week. Five stars. Thank you, Josh, for that. Uh, all around there. Very, very nice review. We appreciate it. And yeah, Matt, that's how I feel. I feel like I'm talking to my good pal every single week here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. And uh, it's always a blast. Well, you are. <laughs> that's what it is. It's a, it's a great conversation between two friends. And we kind of talk shop, talk, talk the wrestling biz, talk the wrestling industry. No doubt about that. And again, boxgimmicks.com, guys. Go get your T-shirts, your Spoken Matt Hardy shirts, your Matt Fact, Matt Fiction shirts. You can pick up the extreme life of Matt Hardy as well. And, of course, let it play out. So we got we got a couple buys this past week. Had some people tweet us some pictures of that, so we appreciate that as well. Oh, boy, Matt Hardy, fun one in the books. Next week's a big one. I'm really, 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 really looking forward to it. Anything else you want to add here? Uh, no, th- th- this was fun, a uh, fun little experience. And I love interacting with our fans. And I want to say, I feel like, you know, slowly but surely, you know, the extreme life of Matt Hardy, uh, brand new podcast. And now we're 33 episodes deep, if I'm not mistaken. This is at 33. Uh, we're really growing a, a fan base and, and following. And I want to thank all of you guys that uh, very faithfully and loyally listen every single week. Uh, without you, there would be no us. So thank you for tuning in. And please, if you like this podcast, you got a friend that enjoys wrestling podcasts, please put our name in their ear and let them know about us. It was almost a year ago I pitched this podcast to you, which is just insane to think about. And here we are rolling 33 episodes. Deep. So thank you, everyone, for listening. The words have yeah. been spoken. This has been the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. We'll see you next time. Adios, amigos. If you could change one thing about your home, what would it be? A new kitchen, a new master bath, maybe put in a pool. What if you could do it with no money out of pocket and cheaper monthly payments? Savewithconrad.com can help, and you can even skip your next two house payments. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender, savewithconrad.com.